0: This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Munga. And I'm Luc Olivier Meble. And our topic this week is... Luc Olivier is buying new shit. Oh, wow. Mm.
1: Oh, yeah. So I bought uh, I'm two I'm seeing new... you,
0: like, throwing dollar bills out of the car and stuff. Uh, I...
1: One of them was kind of that, and you'll learn more <laughs> about that. So, yes, uh, through uh, during our hiatus and uh, in the last week, I bought uh, two shiny new toys, and I want to talk about them uh, on the podcast.
0: Cool. Uh Before we go into follow-up, I have a small confession to make. Uh, I had an alcoholic beverage before the recording today, so oh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully oh everything will go okay.
1: <laughs> oh my, okay. It's good for me that I stick with water then. <laughs> so I have a bottle of water next to me, and I'll be there to uh, remind Yannick that he's drunk on the podcast.
0: But that's okay. Nah, it should be fine.
1: Uh, yeah, well... Anyway, let's we'll do see. follow-up. Yeah. So, hopefully... I can tell you, no, not fully. I can tell you right now that this week's follow-up is consisted of four items, and it won't be thirty minutes. So let's get into the first item. In episode forty-seven, I dissected the summer twenty sixteen phenomenon that is Pokemon Go. While discussing its future, I mentioned that uh, we they would follow a specific plan, and I was um, pretty clear about that plan, and I was fully expected it to be uh, followed. So the gist of this plan is to release major updates every couple of months to remind people that Pokemon Go still exists. And imagine what happened last week, eh, Anik.
0: They released a big update. Well, actually, it's not just last week.
1: No, it's not the first big update, but last week they released another major update.
0: Well, there were like two major updates in last week. There was the Valentine's Day event, and then there was another big update right after that.
1: Okay. Um, Did I... Forgot the
0: Valentine's Day one? Okay,
1: l- l- let me continue, and then you may jump in with yeah, the yeah. I'll one. add the details yeah, that yeah, are yeah. missing because uh, the one I'm referring to is uh, Niantic added more than eighty new Pokémons from the second generation of the Nintendo games, and obviously, uh, what I'll if you take a closer look at our show notes, you'll see that I've included a link to a French Quebecois news website, and the reason why is. To show again that the gist of my plan that I would expect Niantic to follow is discussed a bit in that article. Um, the the gist of this article is to say that uh, obviously they think that this uh, major update with the new generation of Pokemon could bring back other people. And, oh, um, and funny aside too is they are in think that since here in Canada, the winter season is close to ending, people might pick it up and go back to play outside during the nice season that is our spring and summer. And for obviously people that cannot and doesn't read French, I've uh, included a polygon article that will gladly explain to you the new uh, 80 new Pokemons from the second generation that I'm sure if you played a gold and silver, you've seen uh, in the past. So what was the other thing I missed on, hopefully, I think that was last week. So I missed the February, the, uh, no, the Va- uh, Valentine's Day event. Sometime.
0: Right. So the Valentine's Day event was sort of the lead up to this big update where they included fan favorites from the gold, silver, crystal generation of Pokemon, very select number of them, and they inc- uh, introduced them into the game and then after valentine's day well actually i think the valentine's day event wasn't even over and then they said surprise now you have 80 more pokemon you can play with um and like now it's looking at the reaction there has been in the gaming community i can say that it didn't actually have the uh result that people anticipated which is there wasn't really a big spike up in people playing the game again it was mostly the people who had never stopped playing who continued playing and who had much more to do um so that's kind of unfortunate and the other thing is i think with that plan of putting out updates like basically quarterly uh is how they seem to be doing it although it's been more than two quarters since (laughs) the game launched but um that is not fast enough for the pace of Japanese mobile games. Uh, Japanese mobile games have new stuff every week, uh, generally, and this is not an acceptable release schedule for something that is ostensibly... Well, it's, it's not developed by a Japanese company, which is sort of why it doesn't come across as a Japanese mobile game, but it, it's not up to par for what the industry expects and what fans of mobile games expect in japan uh i can't really speak for the west because the west is sort of completely different beast when it comes to mobile games yeah they don't
1: do like major of like minimal updates every week or major updates every couple of weeks or every quarter like niantic seems to be doing with pokemon go to keep some momentum to it so i think they're trying something new for mobile games in the west hoping that people will pick it up and hopefully that people will like that. But I don't maybe-
0: think that works long-term. <laughs> that, that's the unfortunate reality is you, you can't, you can maybe do it on console games because you're expecting people to spend like $70 on an update, which is sort of what destiny does, right? Destiny, their expansion packs every, well in a normal year, not this year, every six months or so, there's a big expansion pack that comes out and you spend 40 bucks on it. But, I don't think that works for mobile games because people who are playing it for free and who exhaust all of the content, if they come back the next week and they still have nothing to do, they're going to stop playing your game and then they're going to drift off, which is exactly what happened with me in Fire Emblem Heroes this week. Like, I'm done. I have everything done in the game. I am waiting until next week for something to come out. And if nothing comes out, I have nothing to do, basically, in the game. So I'm probably not going to continue playing it. And I've started playing other games instead. Um so I think it's sort of going to be the same kind of thing for Pokemon if they stick with that kind of release cycle. I don't want to make follow-up last too too long, so I'll shut up. No, but. that's
1: okay. That's okay. It's uh, a bit why I wanted to come back on uh, Pokemon. Uh, our next item into follow-up is in episode 51, I talked about permission system on mobile OSs, And Yannick gladly sent me a link from The Verge where a group of researchers had... Kennergy Mellon University published an Android app to simplify managing permission on Android. And the app is named Privacy Assistance. So the first time the user will run the application, the user will be taken into a small survey. The application will ask about four to five questions to better understand what type or like what flexibility the person is to uh, what is the flexible level of uh, sharing data with typical application. And then after answering those four to six questions, the application will scan all of your installed app and give you permission recommendation for each of them. The concept seems super interesting until the article mentions that the application requires a root phone, obviously, to scan all of the installed application. So it is super nice to see that people are trying to uh, maybe improve the permission system but the downside i see especially for that solution is that you're breaking a bit your some like security lever to make it more understandable for user it seems a bit counterintuitive uh, for me so i would uh, invite our listeners to go take a look at this application if they want to better understand more or if you don't want to risk install a uh, routing your android phone just go take a look at the version of the call that i included
0: in the show notes but i think even if it requires root privilege it's actually a really useful tool to have just for an in a theoretical sense to see like what is possible and how could this be improved and this can serve as an example for google for example of things they could do in the future in the android os itself
1: oh totally totally and that's why i liked in that concept so while reading the article they were giving all of the arguments why they they focused on doing a small survey and less asking what you want for each app because they realize that by asking specific questions, they can um, analyze and understand the, the the user behavior and then give better recommendations. And to be honest, though, if I had to just answer four or five questions and then an app is able to configure my phone properly and make sure that my for my taste, my privacy is protected. That would be way more easy to manage all of the permission we discussed in that episode compared to both approach. Uh, from well, honestly,
0: the way I think it should be is when you first boot up and set up the phone, it should ask you those questions, and then your permissions are decided based on what you selected when in the initial setup process. I mean, like that seems like a pretty sane way to do it. Uh, the problem is then, if you want to manage stuff by application, you still need to be able to go manually go change those behind the scenes. Totally.
1: Cool. Lastly, in episode 55, when I discussed uh, my experience with Swift, I mentioned that it was tedious to follow the Swift mailing list. And after (laughs) listening to the episode, while also saying that statement, I was like, I remember seeing something that I want to try. And there is a Mac application to browse the mailing list. It's called Irundo, H-I-R-U-N-D-O, whatever it is, how it's spelled or how it's pronounced. But it's an app that is free, I think. And it is a typical kind of... it looks like mail, obviously, but it's optimized uh, to browse the mailing list and have filters, uh, show you content for specific searches only. Um, it is super nice, and I think I'll try to play with it. I haven't played with it yet, but I think I will take some time, uh, maybe this weekend or the next one, to play with it and see if it would help me uh, get better knowledge of stuff happening in the mailing list without spamming my mail inbox. Cool. Before we start in the main topic, we will want to give a big, a small programming note for the next episode, and we'll do that now, because we teased it, it is the next episode. What will be our topic next week, next uh, episode, Yannick?
0: Yuri on Ice, uh, the 2016 anime phenomenon. So if you have not seen Yuri on Ice, uh, I think like the way I'm planning to do it is we're going to have a a no spoiler section and then a spoiler section at the end so that people who have not watched the show can at least get an idea of what the show is but ideally um, you will I- I want to watch I'll the fix show that though yes
1: it will be super important <laughs> if you want to listen to this episode to watch the show because i think we'll be able to explain without giving spoilers the episode but i think most of our opinions most of what i want to discuss is in you need to watch it so it will be spoiler full not spoiler free so definitely we'll make so, sure when we'll did the episode that there's a big giant horn sound to make sure it's clear that there's a wall between those two sections. Yeah. And uh, but uh, make sure to watch the whole series. and It's like 12 episodes of like 25 minutes. So Correct. it's super easy to watch and to binge watch in maybe a day or two.
0: Yep. And you can do so on Crunchyroll if you are in North America or Europe. Uh, if you're in Japan, you can go buy the DVDs or Blu-rays or rent them at Staya or use a streaming service of some kind. Uh, and well. There's also I- a
1: dub version now in North America. It's, I think it's Funimation. Don't
0: watch the dub. I know,
1: I know, I know. Uh, and I read about the dub and the subtitle version we get here and it's poorly, uh, translated from what I heard. Uh, it's something I want to discuss. So if you watch it and you're not happy about
0: the there's a lot of translation dom- drama these days we will touch on it a lot next I'm week sure, but i'm sure
1: <laughs> but yeah so next week it is finally coming yep so now we will i will talk about two new gadgets i recently bought and the first one i will talk about is the gopro hero 5 black so nice. i've been I've been looking at getting a GoPro since I started to do more fun stuff with my car. And what I mean by that is attending car meetups and events and especially uh, attending lapping session and lapping days. And I've discussed, uh, I discussed that a lot and being a bit lengthy about it in, I forgot the episode number, but uh, the one that is called because it's, uh, because VTech, something like that. There's, there's a VTech <laughs> reference in the title. You'll find it, I'm sure. So to be honest, though, motorsports is the first and only place where I could use a GoPro. So I've been totally honest with that. I don't do that much of any other typical sports where you see people using them. So taking that into consideration, I was a bit hesitant of getting one, especially because they are pricey. And that's why I was looking to getting one for the last a year to 18 months
0: by the way that episode is episode 15
1: thank you for the real-time follow-up and what was the title again
0: uh, i f- turned my phone off so uh, that's okay say, that's but... okay
1: I'm sh- it will be all more for the listeners also um like we mentioned the, the part of the reason why we were doing a long hiatus is this fall um i planned a trip uh with friends and tony to go to costa rica and obviously, it happened like during the hiatus, and it was amazing. Um, so I knew we would do a lot of different activities during that trip, and obviously, some of those would make it hard to either bring or use my smartphone or my DSLR to capture those activity. So I thought of the GoPro too. So after booking all of this and uh, closing my second lapping season uh, at the end. Of the- of the, fall, uh, the beginning of the fall, I started to look more closely into buying one. And I remember all of the hesitation I had for the last year regarding the previous generation. So to give you an idea why I was hesitant, and it's a bit part of of the downsides, not the downsides, but it's part of like why it took so long and part of a bit of the feature I needed and the feature I didn't need, and you'll see why. So we'll take a look at the previous lineup of genera- of uh, cameras offered by GoPro until this last fall. Can you give me the number of camera GoPro was selling before the last revision?
0: I would not be surprised if it was six, but I don't really pay attention to like GoPro, so I don't know enough about their product lineup. But six sounds reasonable. You know, it's close. It's five. Oh, so l-
1: until last fall, they were selling five models that range from around two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars US dollars and five hundred US dollars, and so it went from the Euro Euro Plus, the Euro Plus LCD, Euro Four Session, Euro Four Silver, and the Euro Four Black. And if I go <laughs> to the cheapest model, obviously the cheapest model brings you ten eighty P sixty frame per second. It has a couple of limitations, like it has a fixed case that yes is waterproof and rugged. But you cannot remove the camera from it. You cannot remove the battery, and it's the same for obviously for the Hero Plus LCD, which is the same as the Hero Plus, just with a touchscreen LCD. And mid generation, or like mid three quarters of the generation, um GoPro decided to launch the Hero Four Session, which is a small rectangle cube camera that assumes that you'll use your smartphone to configure it. And it is waterproof without a case. It's, uh, it supports um, 1080p, 60 frames per second. And it was about the same price as the cheaper model, around two to $300. So it was hard to see whether if you go on the cheap side where you had a lot of limitation, or then you go on the more expensive side, but even on the more expensive side, you had to make some trade-offs because on the expensive side, you had two models, which were the flagship models. Like I mentioned, the were 4 Silver and the were 4 Black. And the main upside for the Silver is its touchscreen back, where you can use to configure the GoPro. And I wouldn't call it the downside, but maybe compared to the Black, the downside is it supports 4K, but at 15 frames per second, which for me, and I'm sure all people will say like 50 frames per second is not really that good for video. So you could do... Google, GoPro was able to say that it supported 4K, but it was more to put the check mark on the 4K and less and less to be really
0: useful in real life. And obviously... Just to be sure, is that 15 or 50? 15. Okay, well, that's terrible.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Because the Hero 4 Black was kind of the black model was always the kind of for like marketed for professional people that were using them a lot that maybe were changing them every year because it was important for their job or important for their uh, movie career. So the Euro 4 black supported 4k 30 frames per second and obviously was supporting uh, 1080p at 80 frames per second. So it was able to go uh, faster, but it didn't have the touchscreen pack, and if you use any gopro since its inception the one button menu is not that great especially if you skip one setting you have to loop through the menu again to go back to that same setting again so even with that lineup i was hesitant because i was always aiming i could aim cheap because i didn't use it but i was thinking that if i aim a bit too cheap The problem I would have is maybe in a year or two, uh, the video format will change or it will be more like 4K will become more of the standard. So I would maybe not miss it, but it will make my editing or my future proofing of that purchase harder. So I was always looking more at either the uh, the Euro 4 silver or black, but I was always a bit hesitant because I really wanted to have a touchscreen. Because I've used GoPro in the past by uh, some friend that landed it to me. And I always find the menu confusing. So I know that if it was a touchscreen interface, that would make its usage more simpler. But at the same time, I wanted to be future-proof. And I was wanting to have some viable 4K and not to shoot in 4K. More to say, it is there. I can... Resize the image and maybe to go back to 1080p, but have a better image and maybe crop some, uh, some part of the frame that uh, was there in 4K, but not needed in 1080p. And it would make it for a more future proof purchase. But since I was a bit lazy, uh, and I didn't have, wasn't able to choose, last fall, GoPro released their new lineup of camera and hopefully the kind of, I think the, there was, a, there were a lot of people like me that was not able to decide because they did simplify the lineup. So obviously it make me happy because last choice means easier to choose, obviously. So the current lineup is super simple. They kept the Euro 4 session, which is a small cube. They improved, they released a new generation of it. And obviously they release one flagship model that is the Euro 5 Black and it combines a lot of features that I like from the previous Hero 4 Black and the Hero 4 Session. Uh, just to give you an example, it is the same previous form factor of GoPros, but you don't need a case to be waterproof. It is waterproof up to 10 meters with the normal camera like the aero session R, they support 4k 20 30 frames per second but obviously I was more looking at 1080p so it's up it's 1080p 90 frames so it's super nice because you can do slow-mos it has GPS that was uh, new from that generation and something that is more akin to our Mac discussion it is using USB-C to charge and offload uh, stuff all of it oh dear yes 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 and last thing I don't want to talk too much that was introduced last fall is the Karma drone, which consists of the drone stabilizer arm and the Euro Five. But um, I, I'm not a drone guy, so I haven't looked at it too much. I don't know. I don't know how perf- well it performed. I know it got a recall because bad reissue, something like that. But uh, that's most what I know about uh, the Karma drone. So, after all of that blabber between me and Nati being able to make a a purchase decision, you might be thinking, what is my setup? So, during the winter holidays, I made the mistake of looking at Boxing Day deals. Never do that. (laughs) Never, never do that.
0: Also, never go to the PSN store because there's always a sale.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Same with the Steam store. So... I ended up getting the Europro five with a couple of accessories because it was one of the big deals I've seen the last past year year and a half uh for a camera that was introduced um like what like um, four months ago yeah four or five months ago, it was already one hundred dollar off for the uh boxing Day deals, so it was a great deal and uh to be prepared for my trip i also included the dual charger and plus battery and i'll come back to that and i also added what GoPro gopro calls i think they want to make that funny but it's not but it is they call it the gopro three-way and it's con- consisting of a camera grip inside of the camera grip you have a tripod that can be screwed at the bottom of the camera grip and the camera grip is consisting of three uh extension arms so you can just make that camera grip into a selfie stick and lastly um since I've um, kind of dipped my toe in the water of Gopro ownership uh last summer I've uh borrowed the uh Gopro hero 2 of my friend um so I already had a gopro suction car a suction cup for the car so it is kind of completing my setup for what will be my uh, typical usage meaning car stuff and just going on trips. So after um so after using the camera for a couple of weeks and mainly intensively for a week during my trip, um you'll see that what I like about it and what I don't like about it is obviously more focus on my experience during my trip to Costa Rica and less on um the motorsport part of the GoPro experience. Uh, I think some of it will uh, reflect on what I like about it but I'm sure we'll be able to report back once the uh, summer starts and I'll start to use it uh, even more in the car. So nice feature that I like. Um, something that was new, like I said, for this generation, the built-in GPS. And the best example of that I can tell you why it's so nice to have it is I've been owning a DSLR for the past seven or eight, six, seven years, and it's always painful in post processing to add uh, the GPS data to make it beautiful in the photos.app uh map view. But it is feasible. Um with this new GoPro now, it's super nice because since it's capturing GPS, it's not, not only capturing low location, it's also capturing your speed and um your altitude. So uh for example, Tony during our trip was uh doing um some uh, mountain activities where he was uh, doing um mm, like he was uh going from three to threes uh, in the forest and at some point play- at sometimes he went down trees and it was super fast so i was i would be able in post editing to add uh those metadata in a nice way and see like how fast he was going between trees and all of that stuff so the fact that it's super nice and super easy to do is a good plus for uh, the GoPro the latest generation um, Something I've touched when I've described the previous generation is the touch based menu So the for this current generation, they improved the menu to make it really more touch friendly and less dependent on the two button mode So you have one button to go through the menus and one button to go through the current menus option So now that they assume that the GoPro Hero 5 has a screen behind it, it is way better for its user experience and to it's way easier to configure it and less uh, problematic compared to the previous one without button uh, with the two buttons or compared to the Aero session where you only have one button, but in its marketing, it is assumed that you'll use it with your smartphone all the time, so connected to Wi-Fi. So uh, the Wi-Fi connectivity is also part of this camera but you'll see in my downsides that the wifi connectivity have big, uh, one big downside. Uh, next point is waterproofing without additional case. And that was, oh my goodness, everything that is trying to break here. That. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I'm trying to, f- at least it's not falling out of my chair like you did a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. So I'm not dead. We can continue. Um, why I would really enjoy waterproofing without any additional case is like I said 50% of my predicted usage of the GoPro will be really away from water like it will be used without a case because it will be hanging from inside my car of its side outside of it so the fact that I don't have to remove it from a case that it is I wouldn't say hard to use but it is made to be hard to remove the camera from it to make sure that no water gets inside of it so the fact that the camera itself is able to be waterproof without additional case up to 10 meters is just amazing and even at the beginning of the trips I was like having the typical attitude that I have with my electronics near the water is like uh, I don't want to drop it in the water a bit forgetting about the fact that I can drop the camera and in the water and nothing bad will happen to it it's a weird feeling but after a couple of times you just like put the camera in the water for fun and just like you just lose that uh, attitude towards it
0: And technically, as time goes on, we're going to have less and less resistance to doing it because everything is becoming waterproof. Like the Apple Watch is waterproof. The iPhones are now waterproof. iPads next, maybe? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully the iPhone will have the same transition as the Apple Watch, which the first model was water-resistant, and the second is waterproof. Uh, Right now, they are more water-resistant than waterproof. And obviously, the main difference is water resistant water can be on top of it or on it waterproof you can put it underwater and it survives for a long period of time
0: yeah so, the depth is also different
1: yeah obviously and that's why they say that if you want to get the same waterproofness uh in like as uh, i think it's like it was 40 meters before with the with the yeah s- that sounds about case, right now it's only 10 meters with the camera itself and then if you buy the additional case because now it's not included because they assume that 99% of the people will just go in places where it's a pool the beach a pool a pool the beach and maybe the ocean for one rare case that you go uh, diving in the ocean and then in those occasion where you go below 10 meters you'll need a specific case which is mostly looking the same as previous generation uh, lastly, something that I really enjoy during my trip is less about the camera itself and is more about GoPro and its accessories market. So like I mentioned in my setup, all of the, the, the accessories I bought from for the camera are all like GoPro accessories. And the reason for that is, the backstory is, the deal I got is not really $100 off on the camera. It was a bit more expensive, but... Part of the deal was getting a free extension arm. And the extension arm was a third-party one. So I was okay, it's nice. It's not the nicest one, but it's free, so I don't care. The second I opened the arm and tried to extend it, it uh, ended in two pieces in my hands. <laughs> Go back to the store, exchange it, and before going to the counter to exchange it, try this another one in the store, same problem. Wow no so, wonder it's free yeah i kind of started to understand why it was free and also why it was considered so cheap uh for the price so um it's weird especially for the the, the gopro three-way because it's it looks to be same the, to me the, the same plastic that the other accessory were made of but it was super uh super easy to use because it's fo- like the three pieces are folded together to do the camera grip, but also they were super resistant to sand, to the water, everything was fine. So um I can start to kind of understand why they are a bit more expensive than the third-party ones, but the build quality is just amazing. Reminds me a bit of what we see with the uh, Apple stuff sometimes. Now we'll go into the stuff that I don't didn't like about the camera. Um, the first big thing is battery life. And I think if you stock with people that use GoPro in the past I think that the battery life for the, I think since the Hero 3, Hero 3 Plus hasn't been that great compared to the first model of the GoPros. So when you're configuring the camera using the onboard touchscreen, um, if you spend more than two or three minutes trying to play with the menus, especially when you just bought it and you want to understand how it works, it is super easy to see the battery percentage drop by a couple of percent just by playing with the menus <laughs> uh, you start to understand pretty quickly that leaving the screen on too much is a battery killer so it is nice to have the screen but at the same time it's killing the battery another nice feature of the gopro that i mentioned in my in the part that uh, well some of the feature i like is the wi-fi connection where you can use your phone to uh, configure uh, the gopro and change it change the resolution, change some setting, change the time, for example, which is something super important when you travel dif- between different time zones. And also you can use your phone as a viewfinder. But obviously, if you use the Capture app, which is the uh, the application to do the viewfinder and the settings, you'll, you'll see that in that mode, it is super hard to get an hour of battery life. <laughs> like I think the recommended... the the estimated time is 55, 50 minutes, and it goes maybe to 45, 50 if you include GPS. Wow. In in my opinion, this makes using the smartphone connected mode mostly useless. And obviously, if you leave Wi-Fi on, it always wants to be connected with the camera, uh, with the uh, smartphone app, sorry. Um, On the other side... um, Something that surprised me a lot was keeping the GPS alive does not tax the battery too much. Uh, according to GoPro, you lose about 10 minutes of recording. Uh, recording in my real life experience reflects that. So if you leave Wi-Fi off and you want to do a 1080p video recording, you get about like 145 to 2 hours of recording time before it shuts off and uh i think without the gps and without wi-fi it goes to 215 which is something i expected more of a like mobile camera so obviously the reason w- this is the reason why i decided to not only just buy one ba- extra battery but also buy a separate charger because what i can do and what i've in the end what i didn't do that much because uh, even with one battery or just swapping the battery I was more than enough to just complete my day but uh, I bring up my one of my big battery pack that I bought for phone and iPads and I kept the charger because the charger is super small so I kept the charger with me all the time and if needed I could just plug in and leave the battery on the charger while I was using the camera Uh, if you don't buy the charger sadly you need to charge the battery through the camera so it's a bit painful for that if you run out of battery uh, during your shooting as an example Another, uh, the other main thing that I don't like about the new GoPro is, it's a bit strange to say, but it's, uh, it's one of my typical plus minuses. And it's <laughs> the touchscreen and the lack of, uh, waterproof case included in the box. Why I don't like that they don't include this, like, more waterproof case, and I understand why, because the camera, it is waterproof by itself. But the problem it causes is, all of the pieces that can be broken if you drop the camera can be replaced. Like the door, the waterproof doors uh, on top of the battery, on top of the ports can be removed and replaced. Same with the camera lenses. But to this day, I haven't found a way to replace the touchscreen if you break it. Hmm. And I think it will cost you another GoPro if you break the touchscreen. And it if... Okay, if it's just cracked and it still works, that's fine. You, we see a lot of people using iPhones uh, throughout the day with a broken screens. But if it's completely broken and doesn't turn on, it means that you'll be getting a new GoPro. And with previous generation, what it meant is, you, in most cases, you just buy this other another plastic case. But um, I think for maybe more, uh, more uh, rough uh, usage, like maybe... Uh, Attaching it to the outside of a car, not the inside. If it were to fail. I think I will need to maybe buy a, a bigger case to put it in. The last thing that is between in the middle, it's something that I don't care that much, but is really touted in the marketing materials is a voice command. Oh God! Yes, um, you can talk with you can talk to Siri through your GoPro. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You don't want to talk to Siri. And not even talk to your GoPro, but uh, if you want, with the GoPro Hero 5 and the GoPro Hero 5 uh, Black and the GoPro Hero 5 Session, both of them have voice command, so you can talk to your camera and make it start recording or stop. At the same time, you can enjoy an hands-free uh, experience. I will say that the reason I don't care that much about that feature is right now mostly what I've captured. I really wanted to use the sound that the onboard microphone captured. I know that the excuse me i know the uh, onboard mic isn't the best mic, but from my current experience it, it it gets a job done and it is um really capturing the sounds near the camera so um the l- last thing that I want to talk regarding the Gopro is something that GoPro has been pushing in the recent years. Uh, if you go back uh, into the previous model with the, the GoPro before, they started to bring uh, more mobile application and even on the desktop OSs more application than in the past. Um, from the get go, they published a call an application called GoPro Studios. And obviously as its name suggests, this app was used to do uh, video editing Of the footage taken by camera. It has uh, a lot of powerful editing and effect tools but uh, to my taste it is not that super intuitive. I seriously had uh, to watch a couple of uh, YouTube videos to better understand it and to get more tricks to uh, learn it. And obviously by the way this uh, application is only available on desktop OSes meaning Mac OS and uh, Windows. The situation is a bit different on mobile. Um, GoPro has Three main apps and I think they are the same whether it's on iPhone or Android, but I think I haven't checked on Android yet, so take that with a grain of salt. But I can confirm you that those three apps are on iOS because I've tried all of them. The first one is called GoPro Capture and I've talked a bit about uh, the GoPro Capture app because it is the main app when you want to manage your GoPro using your smartphone or tablet device. So, you will be able to uh, pair it with your phone using wiFi and or Bluetooth, and you will be able to um change its setting use it as viewfinder control the camera, and also uh download media from your camera to your iphone and then after that, you can use two other GoPro applications the first one which uh goPro i think it's i'm not sure but i think it was an acquisition it's called quick and quick is a bit like um those two apps, if you were to bundle them into one, would make what Apple ships as iMovie for iOS. Uh, Quick will be able to automatically create nice movie for you so they will be able to um, take the metadata because uh, the GoPro, you can, while you're recording, you can press on a different button on the GoPro and they will tag specific event. They call that uh, highlight feature. So it would made some small metadata point and the quick application will be able to use that to create uh, videos, uh, whether of your highlights or just like use that to better uh, edit uh, your raw footage. And Splice, which is the other app, is really more like the typical manual uh, video editor feature that is iMovie. It, oh, I would say it's, it's not as powerful as um, gopro studio on the mac or, uh, or windows but it is kind of the it's uh like stepchild something like that it's uh it's really the same ideology but dumbed down um the reason why i'm talking about those apps is it's a bit strange why you have uh I understand why they decided to have like one app for management, one app for uh, video editing and one app for video editing. It's a bit <laughs> weird if you have two apps for video editing. I would really like to see if it was a bit more like iMovie. So if you want to go more on the manual stuff, like if you want to do your raw footage editing and then apply the effects yourself and then place it on the timeline, adding the music or go to the, I wouldn't say the easy mode, but go on the more lazy mode where you just say here's my raw footage here's the type of music i want to place uh, uh not the music but here's the uh, atmosphere i want to create with my movie is it more something joyful more action pace and then with algorithms and backend server it does the rest for you or like with photos.app it just does that all locally um so it was a bit confusing whether I need to use Quick First or Splice or Boat or Neither, and obviously I'm sure you can imagine that since we talk a lot about editing software in the past, and especially we talk a lot about our love for Final Cut Pro uh, <laughs> X. Um, my purchase of the gopro Uh-oh. didn't help that right i haven't Uh-oh. bought it yet i haven't oh, bought it yet
0: good. if you it's buy it before me i'll be very very upset
1: yes but <laughs> since i got my gopro i started to pick up more video editing software and that is <laughs> dangerous especially for the wallet because i kind of know and like yannick just said i kind of know that we know where the end is and then is expensive
0: yeah, and if you allow me to go on a little tangent, I've been having technical issues with iMovie for iOS this week. Well, not just this week, but I, I'm sort of tired of them this week, so I'm going to try other video editors. And this Splice app looks like it could be really good for my needs right now. So I'm going to give it a look later and hopefully use it in this week's
1: video. I don't know. Oh, wow. Oh, I would be interested to hear your opinion about it.
0: Yeah, because it, it it's generic enough that it works with non-GoPro videos as well. And I think it has all of the features that I need to do what I usually do. So I'll give it a shot and I'll report back on the next episode.
1: Yeah, because I'm like mostly sure that Quick was a purchase. So go Yeah, I remember seeing
0: it on the App Store beforehand.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm less sure about Splice, but I think it is. Or it's like they bought a company and then they were planning on doing theirs, so they kind of merged those two into one. Um but uh, yes, um, it seems that Splice has kind of a different idea of manual editing compared to iMovie. So I would gladly uh, like that you give us your feedback uh, in a future follow-up episode um, about it. Hopefully, maybe maybe you'll just switch to it and voila, problem solved.
0: Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes, if I remember, uh, to a blog post that I wrote this week about my technif- technical difficulties with iMovie. Because basically, I love how iMovie works. The problem is... It's unreliable with audio, and I can't allow that to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I cannot talk about software, especially editing software, without talking about cloud storage options. Huh. GoPro, uh, this fall, uh, while introducing their new lineup of uh, cameras, also introduced their first uh, subscription service called GoPro+. Plus. Hmm. GoPro Plus is a subscription service. It's like their version of iCloud Photos or Google Drive. So it is forty nine nine US dollars. It's only available in the US right now. And with the GoPro Hero Five Black and the GoPro Hero Five Session, once you come back home and you put them and you you put it on the charger, they connect automatically to the Wi Fi connection. They are able to automatically upload all of the content of the camera. To this, um, to this cloud storage solution and you have nothing to do. You just configure your ca- account in the camera and that's it. That's pretty cool. It is cool. And also, it is backward compatible. The only downside with older cameras is you need to use um, the Quick software on either iOS or on the Mac or Windows because Quick is also available on the desktop OSs. So... so uh yeah, I, I realized I forgot to say that that Quick is both available on iOS and the Mac. So uh, when you install, uh, nowadays you don't install GoPro Studios. You install Quick with with comes included with uh, GoPro Studios for desktop OSs. It's uh, something I just accidentally skip. But yeah, so uh, like I was saying, it automatically uploads the content, and and voila, you have nothing to do. But uh, there's some limitation to what I just said. Mm. I did not mention any storage limitation, right? So No,
0: that was a bit suspicious. There's
1: a reason why. Because they are a bit fake. They have numbers and what they say is the cloud library is limited to 35 hours of video. Mm. Which size of video? It's coming or uh, 62,500 photos or a combination of the two, obviously. And with, this is the part where they personally lose me is videos and photos are, stopped at, are stored at up to 1080p and 12 megapixel regardless of their original resolution. So they don't upload the original raw footage. They will compress it, uh, re-encode it and store it on a smaller size which is a downside uh for my needs and i really like to keep um the raw footage the way it is i think we discussed uh that a lot during our photo editing episode and uh that was a bit uh, sad for me because i was super interested by this um this service because for the price it is and for the limitation 35 hour is more than enough and obviously what this means is once it is in the cloud, both quick apps, uh, whether the desktop ones or the iOS one, can, and obviously this affects more the uh, mobile ones, is you can be on the go and do editing of this footage and you don't need to store it locally uh, all the time on your iPhone. So it's super amazing for that. Uh, uh,
0: one uh, question on. I have about this Wi-Fi functionality is, like, in my mind, the ideal scenario is you get home, you put your GoPro on the charger, and then if you go to your Mac, you can open the GoPro Studio or Quick app on your Mac and then get the videos right there when you want to do your editing. Can you do that, or does it absolutely have to go through the cloud service first? Like, do you have to use a cable, basically?
1: um, That would be a good question, because the only thing I know about the cloud services from their... Splat a landing page on because they detected that in Canada. It seems that it would be there after the upload, but if you want the real raw footage, if you took, for example, 4K footage, you'll have to rely on plug it in into your computer and just download it from the CB, camera itself.
0: Yeah, because I think it would be nicer if they just allowed you to pull it off the camera locally over Wi Fi instead of having you use the cable. But I don't know. I guess I'm surprised if they're trying to move their cloud service, it doesn't really...
1: Yeah, but at the same time, I'm surprised that you see that. You're the guy that is having shit tons of issues recently about Wi-Fi syncing in iTunes.
0: Well, cable syncing isn't working in iTunes either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> Nothing works in one. iTunes right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about that part. Um, I would say the other downside maybe of uh, GoPro Plus is not the service itself is the it's more the willingness of people to, for paying to it and what i say about that is i think to in this day and age uh if you take a lot of pictures and you want to uh, uh have easy access access to them easily whether you're on your ios on android both platforms have compelling solution and obviously the price are maybe a bit ex- more expensive because you're uh, you're using like it's charge per storage but at least a you're able to have the full raw footage and b it's not only for your gopro camera it could be for your normal camera it could be for your iphone it could be for any photo uh soft photo like photographic device or videographic device that can capture any of those formats so it seems to me that those uh those services from either amazon Apple and Google would be more flexible, and then in that case would justify their uh, slightly higher prices. Because even then, like f- even if I would not to do some uh, currency conversion, if I said it, it would be like four ninety nine Canadian dollars when it launched in Canada. Four ninety nine for what it is, it's not that much. Especially when I currently paying four ninety nine to get what two hundred gigs of iCloud storage. And my iCloud storage, yes, is used by my photo library, but also used by any iCloud feature. So this is where I think not the service falls short, but the idea of the service falls short. I I can uh, also obviously understand why GoPro is doing that because it is a way to get more money from your current customer or just more money per user. And I often that they will be able to launch it a bit more worldwide and maybe expand on it maybe have uh more feature like google and apple where you don't need to go in quick and edit your video it's just like there already already pre-edited they detected that uh you've took all of those uh, footage from a same location so they can do a film per location or you don't have to choose the, the type of music they are able maybe to uh detect with them uh, some Image AI that you're surfing, for example. So you might want some action pace uh, music or more relaxed music because it's me videos of you uh, at the beach, stuff like that. I think the, that would be a good improvement on that service, in my opinion. So my final thoughts about the GoPro, uh, my GoPro purchase is, I think seriously that uh, it might be expensive in the future. That's the Uh-oh. problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an addiction. Yes, a bit, a bit. Uh, I I think, I think hopefully it will delay uh, my need to buy a new camera. Uh, I think it will give some more years to my DSLR, and obviously uh, in the coming years I will updating the iPhone. So, but it becomes another tool in uh, in my equipment for capturing videos and photos, and I'm super happy about it. And I'll obviously will report back once I use it more for. Uh, motorsports that I do uh, during the summer.
0: Now we need to have an intervention because you Uh-oh. mentioned you mentioned that last summer you borrowed someone's GoPro and you said you were going to upload that footage to YouTube and yeah. every week I check YouTube and it's not there.
1: <laughs> so that's what for this week I haven't bought anything new and just uh, rage quitting this podcast now something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No Yannick is right. I've said that and uh one day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, wow. I'll do it. I uh, know, mm-hmm. I know. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, next product. Uh, Maybe before I continue, do you want to add anything else? Do you have any other question or we can just jump to the next product?
0: We don't have any sponsors this episode. We can move on to the next product.
1: Okay, <laughs> sure. No, uh, I I know you own more like video cameras in the past, so I didn't know if you had something to say about uh,
0: that. I own the flip camera. That's the, like... I guess my dad and my brother would be better resources on this because they've bought, like, every knockoff GoPro that exists, <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, really? And, like, a couple of products that are specifically made to be dashboard cameras. Uh, Ooh. So, yeah, they would be more insightful as to that. I haven't really diddled much with dedicated video cameras. I mostly just... Use my phone or resort to um, what I used for our video extra, which was my NEX3, and I am very satisfied with that, although it is only 720p, which is sort of eh these days, but uh, for the video extra, it was sufficient. Um, Yeah, But I mean, like, I don't really have a desire to go get one, because I don't really do anything that extreme anyway. Like, if I went bungee jumping or parachuting or something, I would definitely get one, just because, like, it makes total sense. But I haven't really had plans to do that recently, so...
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, totally. And I like your comment about 720p, and that's like I said, that's the exact reason why I was insisting on getting 4K. Not because I like 4K, not not that I don't like it, but not that I want really it. I don't have any 4K TV. Just like if it's there, at least it's more uh, more future proof
0: with it. But they but they don't offer 4K 60 yet, right?
1: No, not that I know of. Especially, that's
0: unfortunate.
1: Yeah, it seems that if you want to go faster than 30 uh, frames per second, you need to lower the l- resolution. They, I think. Oh, let me check my notes. Um, I think now with the five black, they offer, they offer like, whether like 1440p or 2.7k, whatever you want to call it. It is available at 50 frames per
0: second. Mm, so it's, uh, it's even still then, not good enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go uh, back to 1080p to have. Uh, above uh 60 frames per second and you've won really fast even faster i think if you go down to 720 you get 120 frames per second and 480p will get you to 40 frames per second
0: so you really want to 400 do, maybe
1: <laughs> uh no i think the maximum is 240 oh
0: 240 okay i just yeah. heard 40 so I oh, was no, like, 240
1: ooh. yes 240 So I think that's the maximum, but you have to go back to... I'm not sure if it's 720p or 480p. So it's like way, 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 way SD. And nobody likes SD anymore.
0: Mm, Yep. So the second purchase
1: is related (laughs) to
0: your Beats studio purchase. The ones I'm using right now.
1: Yes, you are. Hey, you're taking a risk today.
0: Yeah, I finally figured out how to reliably connect them via Bluetooth to the Mac because before I was doing it wrong, which is why they weren't connecting.
1: Okay, let's keep that for later. (laughs) So, uh, last week, uh, no, yes. In the last past two weeks, I made the mistake of going on iStockNow.com, which is a live notification and tracking system for Apple Store Stocks. Oh, I didn't know they had this. This is really cool. <laughs> it is really cool. It. I've seen it on. I'm following uh, iPhoneInCanada.com, which is a iPhone in Canada blog. When the iPhone was introduced, they were like mostly giving tricks and tip tips and tricks about importing iPhones and how to use it on our uh, shitty or carriers. But now it's more of a kind of Apple uh, Canada tech blog. So uh, they have linked a lot on that, and it's super nice. The notification is are not that spammy and the fun, funny story the uh, login is what marco loves to do as login so it's a login well password they just email you a link and then you log in <laughs> and it's no password everything is magic but uh yeah so um last friday i've realized that there were uh some black beat or ipod airpods uh in stock at my local apple store So I decided to go and see uh, what was available. And I decided to go with the BeatsX. So for the last week, I've been um, using the BeatsX. And I want to give my first week talks about them. And the first thing I want to talk about them is pairing. (laughs) So I would start by saying that pairing is super magic. And I think it is thanks to the W1 chip. It is magic until it isn't.
0: (laughs) On the Mac, you mean? No, I
1: think the first... In my first experience, so pairing with the iPhone was totally fine. Yep. Um, like we talked with your pair, I haven't tried uh, listening to music with the Apple Watch because uh, I've been lazy and I, haven't, I don't have any music on my Apple Watch. But I still seriously want to try it. Uh, something I've, I don't know if you realize, but if you do uh, swipe up to go to the control center on the watch and you type on the, per- the battery percentage when you're... Uh, like the W1 chip headset or earphones compatible are connected, you will see the battery percentage on the watch too, which is super nice. Didn't know. It's
0: that. also in the batteries widget on iPhone and iPad, which yeah, is how I usually check it. Although I would just strong well i guess your situation is different from mine because i have 40 hours of battery life but like i never have to worry about the battery ever until i hear the low battery chime and usually that's like once a week so i don't really have to look at the battery much
1: yeah uh you're right i'll come back on the battery but uh i've since i got the the beat i've added this uh widget in my notification center um, and my first, uh, pairing experience when switching from iPhone to iPad was not that great. Hmm. Uh, so that's why I say it's great when it's, a, until it says it isn't. Um, I don't know if it, though the problem is I'm not sure if it's, uh, really a W1 chip problem or an iCloud pairing problem. And you'll see why. Because hmm. when I decided to switch to my iPad, I saw the beat sex in the bluetooth settings they were already there they didn't do anything they were automatically appeared there but every time i tried to connect to them through bluetooth settings it would tell me that they were they were not in range even if they are so uh but the simple solution was to just do the long pair like because um uh the there's only one button on the 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 there's only one button on them where, where the battery is located, uh, on around the neck, around your neck. And you just press and hold for, I think it's five to seven seconds. And then you'll see the typical, uh, pop-up appears. And the second I did that on the iPad too, it just started to work. And now switching from my iPhone to iPad is just like, you go in settings and you just select them and it works. Now let's talk about our good friend of macOS.
0: God, what a fucking train wreck, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh,
1: pairing with the Mac is not magic at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Um, at first, I thought it would appear somewhere either in the sound output stuff or either in the Bluetooth panel. Nope, no, no, no. Nope. Um, oh,
0: what? Mine yes. do- Well, okay. It, the reason I thought that my headphones were no longer working on the Mac at all was because the very first time I paired them to my device, they automatically showed up in the sound menu extra. Mm -hmm. And I selected them, and then I went back to my iPad, and then they never, ever showed up there ever again. Oh, okay. And then I went to Bluetooth Prefs, and Bluetooth Prefs, I don't know how that control panel works, but it makes no sense to me, and I could not pair there either. And eventually, it was last week when I was listening to ATP that Casey said, oh, yeah, like, the only way I can get my headphones to actually reliably pair to my Mac is by using the Bluetooth menu extra, which I never had because I don't have Bluetooth devices. So I put it in the menu, and then I just have to manually choose connect from the thing uh, on my Mac. And now it always works. Yeah, that's what I had to do to make it work. I really had to do, like
1: the manual pairing and then it shows up in bluetooth and now it's in bluetooth it just works and also uh to help switch easily between the Be- beats X on the mac i use an app called a tooth fairy have you heard of it
0: no uh i've heard about like rogue amoeba's new app sound source i think it's called which does it basically uh, if you have a license of a rogue amoeba software product you can get it for free yeah, and you can app- do it there
1: I think I've got it too. I forgot, but I forgot about that one too, but there was a new uh,
0: version this week, I think. So check ooh, that nice.
1: out. I'll check that out. But uh, to ferret is even simpler than uh, that application. It's a wonder app and that uh, helps you configure a global shortcut and a menu icon. And the gist of it is either when you trigger the shortcut or you click on the menu icon, it will connect to a preselected Bluetooth device. Oh. So, in its settings, you just select one. So, what I did for mine is I selected the Beats one, the Beats X, sorry. And every time I take, I, I, every time I select it in the, in the menu bar, it just tries to connect to my Beats one, uh, Beats X. And at the same time, obviously, since, uh, when it's connected, it will also, uh, auto switch the, Audio output and audio input because they remember. Mac OS remembers as last time I've did that. I also want the audio to go through them, so it's super easy. And another click on the menu icon, it's disconnect them. So at that point, I can just go on the iPhone and just reconnect them and use uh, select them from the uh, AirPlay menu. That sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah, it really simplified uh, moving from iOS devices to the Mac, and I think it really uh, is awful I will uh, take a look at the Rogo Miba solution. Hopefully, uh, they have kind of a, an option for it because, like I've seen, it's like it—it it reminds me more of when you press and hold uh, the Option key and then you click on the sound icon in the menu bar. It seems yeah. to look like that. So I'll—I have to look why because it looks promising, but at the same time, it looks like the same OS feature. So I want to see the difference. I think. What I've seen that I would like is you can change the audio volume per output. I think there's something, or it's, you can put an audio preset, uh, audio volume preset for input and one for output. So imagine your output is super loud, but your input is not. So uh, when you record a podcast, for example, you can just adjust that uh, accordingly.
0: Yeah, I do a lot of audio source management for my videos and stuff because. Uh, recording audio from the games that I'm emulating is challenging with the capture software I'm using. So having those options available right in my menu bar would be actually much more useful to me than having a one-click button for my headphones because most, for most cases, I've sort of given up on using the headphones on the Mac because I don't use the Mac as much. And like 95% of the time, my headphones are paired to the iPad uh, just because that's where I've been spending most of my time these days. So, hmm.
1: so in the end, to solve your problem, you just did manual pairing on the Mac, and since then, it just works. Yep. Huh, that's good to hear. Uh, now, let's talk about the audio. So, here, I'm sure you expect me to say a bit like what Yannick said, that like every other Beats product, the bass level is through the roof, but surprisingly enough, it isn't. It feels to me that the sound is more neutral, more kind of leveled out, than I expect it to be. It strongly sounds like Apple earphones. But I'll come back on that later. You'll see why. Uh Obviously uh, when songs are playing. You can see that they provide more bass than typical Apple earpods. But it's never too much. It's just like when a song is more bassy. You get more bass. If it's less bassy, you just don't get bass. And bass is
0: the fish, bass is the music. Oh, uh,
1: that, ah, uh, uh, yes. It's the same, you get more fish. <laughs> oh, no, not fish, fuck. Yes, 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 that's what you said. You said you get more fish. That's good.
0: ATP.fm slash live.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So, to go back to where I was saying, not about the fish, but about the bass. Thank you, Yannick. Yes, Uh or about the bass maybe I, that's what i should do for the next for the this whole section just talk about bass no uh, <laughs> so um on the same uh, on the same thing so with uh songs i feel that the bass level is as what i expect it to be it's uh, more present there but not too much and when it's only voice uh only audio for example podcasts i find that it just goes away and it neutralize it and it's just like you be- it becomes more of a neutral sound compared to for example I have a pair of I think it's called the it's a previous generation of what you have with wire so I think it's the beat studio HD, something like that.
0: I don't have the studios, I have solos.
1: Oh, okay. I think I have I I don't know, I think I have solo HD or whatever. Like the 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 first like the not the I think it's like of the common one you see people buy which was around $200 with cable. Those one were bass to the roof. So um, this is really a surprising to me, and this, uh, I think this is the main reason why uh, I like them. Uh, the audio profile obviously was one of my main two worries about those, and it is a big surprise for me for the last week.
0: Overcast question. Do you usually have voice boost on? Because I had to disable it for mine, otherwise it was too bassy. Um.
1: I haven't dis- disabled it now, but I realized that on some podcasts recently, it might become more. It was more of a problem than in the past, so I don't know if it's because of those. Uh, but I've uh, encountered that also with my earpods too. So mm. I'll. I think I'll have to listen to more of those uh, episodes because sometimes uh, those podcasts that I'm referring to uh, have. Um, audio quality problems from one episode to the other so in some episodes there have no audio problem at all and in some other episodes uh, some other are more rough to say the least so maybe like after a couple of weeks i'll be able to see whether i need a uh, voice boost or not on some podcasts uh, now i really want to talk about the hardware itself it's been a while since I've used a pair of in-ears and BeatsX. Um, if you didn't know, it's uh, Bluetooth in-ears. So uh, after using them for a week, I've seriously forgot how much I love uh, this type of earphones. Um, it's super nice when I'll, um, I'm uh, riding the public transport, and it's what I've realized in the last week is it helps me better create a, a kind of an isolation bubble. Mm. and this is especially useful after a long day at work and this week has been long days at work because uh yeah, we had uh, to take some hard decisions so uh, i was a uh, pretty tired uh after work so uh, and obviously subway is super noisy in montreal i don't know if you've been into it but it is super noisy so uh, to create kind of a clear isolation bubble where you can just not focused but just relaxed listening to people complain about the Mac or bitch about (laughs) Mac versus the iPod, the iPad, or just car stuff. Uh, It is a big improvement on the AirPods and I think something that uh, made me not buy the AirPods uh, because I was kind of tired of not having great uh, audio isolation. I was was also a bit uh, tired of like uh, raising the voice when i was entering the metro um or when the metro is coming to a station because of the noise it generates now that i'm using those for a week it doesn't i don't need to do that because uh, they block the sound uh, pretty well uh, pretty good uh another thing they do come with uh, four size of ear tips and two sides of uh wing tips to create a better fit and uh, I haven't tried any of those right now because the one that come already installed when you remove them from the box it fits me perfectly. I'm considering to try one of those uh, wing tips to better uh, secure it in my hair and the only reason why I want to try it is because uh, since it's still winter here um, I realized that the jacket is still creating some negative pressure on the cables, so sometimes they just get yanks out uh, of my ear uh, or i would say yank out but just like they just slightly move so uh, from time to time they will just like slowly but surely go out of my ear but this only happens when i wear a winter coat when i'm working or while i'm just like in like indoor clothes uh so if i'm doing chore around the house like washing the dishes which was a major problem with the wire around you <laughs> um they are super, uh, they fit super tightly, not too hard. They don't create too much pressure in my ear. It's super nice. Um, the neck loop containing the batteries is super, is lightweight and comfortable. It is barely noticeable. Uh, I, like, it's super hard to notice them, uh, on my, sh- on, around my neck. Uh, and it was my second worry because this type of, hardware setup was the first time it's really the first time that i own any uh pair of uh, bluetooth in ears, so uh, i was a bit worried that i wouldn't like this net neck loop or it will feel like kind of cumbersome to have it uh, with you but uh, no um it's super light super useful and something i realized is if you wear a shirt you can just un i did under the collar and yeah it just disappears super nice
0: that's what I did with my old Bluetooth and ears on my job.
1: Um, lastly, regarding hardware, uh, something I'll, that I'll have to get used to is the click remote. The click remote on the BTX is located on the left side and not on the right side. So I'll have to break my current muscle memory for it and just like rewire my brain to like grab the cable with my left hand. But uh, the, the remote itself is working the same way uh the uh, apple earpod remote works it's like you have three buttons volume and next like pl- next, next skip next rewind 30 seconds and play pause and siri which i think i haven't <laughs> used with those yet yeah i haven't used siri in the past week okay um next point into hardware um Battery life. Yannick, you mentioned that yours, you don't worry that much about battery life because you get 40 hours of battery life. Uh, I would say that I don't worry that much. But sometimes throughout the day, when you just like look at the airplane menu and you see that uh, like for the last hour, it went from like, I think like 50 to 40% because with the sex you get eight hours of battery life. And this is what I've experienced right now. Um, I think tonight will be the third time that I've charged them since last Friday. And what uh, Beats is saying is if you charge them for five minutes, it gives you two hours plus of battery life. And to get a fully charged headset, it just requires like 45 minutes of charge. So even if if, if it were like uh, the AirPods where they, reco- they only have like five hours of battery life, like just leaving them either like plugged in or in the case, and especially with the b what i did is i leave them plug in while i'm away for lunch you just come back you put them back in and yeah they are fully charged and it's really amazingly fast it's su- it surprised me the first time like i plugged in in went away like for 20 minutes came back it was like nearly full i had to wait like 10 minutes and they were full uh, after uh, 45 minutes so uh it is super nice and I don't think I'll run into uh, bad issues like or uh, if I forgot to charge them. Uh, if I forgot to charge them, I just need to wait five minutes and then it will be a solved problem. <coughs> Regarding charging, um, I'm not sure if yours are including or uh, using lightning, but charging over lightning is amazing.
0: <sighs> Mine are micro USB, unfortunately. Uh for you because i, th- serious- I think the solo threes the power beats are both micro usb and beats x is the only one that's lightning right now
1: i think i have my idea why but um just to end on the battery life and charging charging over lightning is just uh, great a uh, good example of that is uh, some i recently i bought the belkin iphone plus apple watch dock and These days, everything I need to charge, something that is lightning, which is mostly iPhones or the Apple TV remote. I just like pop it in the charger and that's it. I did the same with those. It looks a bit weird because you have like um, (laughs) an headset uh, lying around your dock, but you just pop it in and then you go away and they charge. Um, It's really nice to have one port everywhere. But Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I won't go too much on that because I don't want to go back on the USB-C discussion. Yeah. So I ca- I have a couple of uh, last um miscellaneous thoughts about uh the X and I'll just uh, go uh, quickly to them. Um there was an included silicon case of it and the second I removed it from the box I was not a fan of it. Mm. So it's kind of egg shaped and it, it it requires you to roll the cable like you you need to do a circle with the neck loop and then use the the two cables that goes uh, to you here Like you, you need to fold them and uh, roll them weirdly um and they end up always in a strange way in the case so like i said the case is uh, egg shaped and the opening there's an opening at the top so in most cases the cable just like pops a little bit of the case and also the silicone case is a static magnet it's just like it collects lint everywhere I can and, imagine. Yeah, and the, the, the type of silicone they use, is like, you see, like, you just touch it and, like, all of your airs is on it. It's so crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and by the way, the the Beat Solos that I have came with a case. Uh, they were a cloth case, not silicone, so I don't have that issue. But uh, it's also very awkward to fit it into that case. Like, I, I don't know who at Beat's designs these cases, but it's like if they're just, like, Two millimeters, uh, no, two centimeters too small in one direction. So you absolutely have to fold it in exactly the correct position and put the right side of the headphones in the case first. Otherwise it doesn't fit. Um, and it's sort of like a weird game of Tetris to try to fit the headphones in every time. And like hearing you describe it, it sounds pretty much like the equivalent for my case. So I don't know, like, is, is there, like, a case designer who hates consumers at Beats who just designs the most painful cases to use? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I, and you know what? I think maybe Johnny e. Ive is part of that. Which brings me to my next miscellaneous thing. I realized while looking at the labels on the BeatsX that the BeatsX use a typical Apple num- model number format. The model number for the BeatsX are A1763. And I think it kind of gives me the feeling, I had a f- weird feeling with the Beats X. It's like, they don't sound like Beats. They are charting over Lightning and not micro USB like any other wireless Beats. Um, the marketing always felt apple since it was announced. And the feeling I get, even looking now at the model number, is it feels to me that this is kind of the first Apple design product that Apple and Beats Decided to sell it under the Beats brand. So they decided to. I don't know. It's totally speculation. But it feels to me that. They kind of designed those two products. At the same time. The AirPods. Made for the Apple brand. And the Beats X. Designed for the Beats brand. But both of them was designed by Apple engineers. That That's the feeling I get. And... Uh, Related to that, um, I don't know if it might be hard for you to answer that question, but did you know if your beats follow this uh, ANNN model number format?
0: Uh, I forgot to check. I'll go check on the internet right now.
1: <laughs> okay, which uh, will give me some time to talk about the last point, and that point is the one that makes me cry. Because um, if you look right now at the Canadian Apple Store, you'll see that the difference is not... The, the price difference is not the same here in Canada than in the U.S. Obviously, there's like currency conversion to make it in Canadian dollars. But what I mean is, in the U.S., the difference between the AirPods and the BeatsX is ten dollars. So the BeatsX are one forty-nine, and the AirPods are one fifty-nine. Here in Canada, the difference is a whopping forty dollars. It's one seventy-nine versus uh, two yeah two nineteen. And even for myself, what's something I've realized when going to the Apple store is the difference was even bigger because the uh, BTX were available for business discounts compared to the, Airpo- the AirPods that were not. I think in the end what happened is it was a, it was as big as $58-$60 uh, difference which even if the Apple store, my local Apple store had both the AirPods and the Beats X, the made me decide to just go with the Beats X. And um, yeah, seriously, as final thoughts, um, I seriously don't regret buying them. I really enjoy them. And you know what? I don't regret not getting the AirPods. And I think um, if you don't, maybe like the design of it and maybe a bit worried like me, like I was about the beats bass aspect of them. Be safe. Just go with them. They have, I would say they just have an improved audio profile compared to typical uh, Apple uh, AirPods. Um, They sound a bit like the AirPods. The AirPods sound is a bit better because I've tried them in the Apple store, but, um, there i think they are able to juggle like a neutral sound with the bass sound compared to the airpods which is more like it's a neutral sound all the time so after a week of usage i like really really don't regret not getting the airpods and i really fully uh am happy about getting the uh, beat
0: sex i can't find uh whether or not it has an apple thing because i would have to go look at the box upstairs I. Uh, Web searches have been unhelpful. But, oh, like, or just my,
1: look at the headset that you have on your head
0: right now. I, I don't think anything is written on it. Oh, really? Hmm. Uh, let me check. <laughs> <laughs> doop, 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 doop. Wow, Yannick is removing his headset. Yep, there is nothing written on oh, there. Oh, wow. So, yeah. But my, like, my suspicion isn't so much that that ID means is that it was designed by Apple or whatever. I think it's just like... Apple handles support for Beats now, so it would make sense for their system to have Apple like support numbers. I don't know.
1: No, it, it, like I said, it's totally speculative. I'm maybe over exaggerating that a bit, but even while using the product, that's what I felt. Like It felt like a bit more like I've owned Beats when Beats was its own company in the past, and I have plenty of friends of calling that have like. Various good and bad experiences with Beats when it was its own company, but I feel that there's kind of more Apple ness to this product and a bit less Beats ness to it, if it makes sense. And I yeah, think I, I can w- agree with that. W- that will conclude why I like them. Is it? It is not really an Apple product, but it's an Apple product that isn't at the same time. It has all of the good side and it has all of the personality that Beats products
0: have. Nice. All right. So is that it? Yes, it is. All right. So my wallet
1: wants me to stop. So of course it is.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. Okay. So uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at limitlesspossibility.net/slash/fifty-eight. Uh You can see all of our episodes at listpossibility.net. The podcast is on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Lucadier at
1: Luconouch. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. Don't forget your own works for the next two weeks. Mm. You need to go watch it.